Well, we are in um, our very last night of First Peter. We're going to get to wrap up the book together tonight. Uh, super excited that we've covered a whole book together. And if you're first, if it's your first time here with us tonight, just to give you a brief overview, we've been talking about what it looks like to be a stranger in this world because Peter is writing to these people who are experiencing what it feels like to be an alien or a stranger because of their decision to follow Jesus. And I think we can also relate with that because when we choose to follow Jesus, we're going to realize we, we don't always quite fit in with the people around us, right? And so we can learn a lot from Peter in encouraging us what it looks like to be a stranger and that we're not crazy when we feel that way. So I hope that you've been encouraged this semester and I'm excited to wrap it up and learn one more time what Peter has to say for us. So we're going to be finishing chapter 4, starting in verse 12, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Chapter 4, starting in verse 12. It'll be up on the screen for you to follow along as well. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange has happened to you. Okay, so this, this should be familiar, right? Don't be surprised if people are going to think you're strange, right? Don't be surprised. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed with his glory, when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of his name, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So real quick, what he's saying here is if you're suffering for doing worldly things, then you probably deserve to suffer. And that's not the type of suffering that he's talking about. It's the suffering for if you are choosing to follow the will of God. Okay, and then in verse 17, it says, For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And so I want to pause there for a second because I think there's some clarification that we need to to talk about. So I first want to ask, what do y'all think about this word judgment? What comes to mind when you hear the word judgment? Good things? Bad things? Bad? Yeah? It's kind of a, we think of it as a negative word. Anything come to your mind when you think of this word? Scary. Scary, yeah. It's intimidating, for sure. Mean girls, yeah. People judging you. Yeah, something we want to avoid, right? Okay, how many of you grew up um, with the experience of going to a church that talks a lot about judgment, like fire and hell and scariness with that? Did anyone grow up in a church like that? Anyone? Yeah, some of us? Yeah, which makes this word judgment sound even more intimidating. 
And so I think a lot of churches, because of that, have overcorrected. And instead of saying, you're all going to go to hell if you don't follow Jesus, right? Because we've learned that that's probably not the most helpful way to share the gospel. We've overcorrected and we're scared to talk about judgment. Because, yeah, we, th- we think it's scary, it's intimidating, it's bad. But I think, as Christians, we need to embrace this word, judgment. Because judgment is good news. Judgment doesn't always mean condemnation. And I think that's important that we realize this. Judgment doesn't always mean condemnation because there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ, right? If we are in relationship with Jesus, the end of our story is not condemnation. Judgment for Christians means restoration. And honestly, judgment for the whole world means restoration. It is good news. We want to serve a God that wants justice, right? Like we all want justice ultimately in this world. And so judgment is good news. It's also important to realize that we as Christians are not exempt from judgment. Peter's saying, hey, we're gonna be the first ones in line on judgment day. But it's not something to be scared of because if we are living in righteousness, which none of us are going to be perfect in that, but Jesus is righteous on our behalf, right? But if we are living in that pursuit of righteousness, that means pursuing right relationship with Jesus and right relationship with people. And if we are doing all we can to pursue a relationship with God, then we don't have to be afraid on judgment day. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. But Jesus wants to be in relationship with us. And I think also we get confused, like we have to do all the right things, we have to earn our salvation, and that's not what Judgment Day is about. We cannot earn our salvation. And the important thing to realize is that if we are following Jesus, if we are desiring to be in right relationship with Jesus, then our lives are gonna be changed by that. Then things are gonna be affected, and then that's where the good works come in, right? Because we can't help but bring goodness into the world because we are so inspired by our relationship with Jesus. And I also want to clarify, so um, what Peter's quoting it here is he's quoting Proverbs 11.31. And Proverbs 11.31 says this, get it on the screen. If the righteous receive their due on earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? And so Scott McKnight says this, about what Peter's doing here. He's saying, he does not mean that saving someone is hard for God. The point is that the journey of salvation is fraught with difficulties, even for the righteous people, due to the pressures they face because of their faith. Okay, so he's saying, in context of this whole book that we've been talking about, Christians are going to suffer, and it's going to be challenging for us here on earth, so don't be surprised by that, okay? So ready to move on, keep going. We're not, we could spend all night talking about this, but I hope you're not afraid of judgment and that we can embrace this word and know that it's good news for people, for humanity, for our world. So let's keep reading. 
last verse of chapter 4, verse 19, it says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So I want to also clarify here that it's not saying that it's God's will for us to suffer. It's saying that when we live in God's will, there's probably going to be suffering involved. So you see the important difference there. God is not saying, you, I need you to suffer. He's saying, Peter's saying, hey, if you're following Jesus, you're probably going to suffer because you don't fit in with the world. And then I also want to notice a word that um, was just super interesting to me. I learned this when I was reading in a commentary this week. Um, the word commit that Peter uses here is the same word that Jesus used when he was dying on the cross. In Luke 23, verse 46, let's read it together. It says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last breath. So what Jesus was saying here is I wholeheartedly surrender my soul and my body to you as I die on the cross in this moment for all of our sins. And Peter is encouraging us also that while we are on this earth and while we may experience suffering, that we too can commit our lives and trust that God is in complete control of our, our bodies and our souls in our eternity. And so I hope that that's encouraging and cool and good news for you. All right, so we're going to keep going in chapter 5. And this is what we're going to kind of spend most of our time talking about tonight. So chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, I exhort the leaders among you as fellow elders and witnesses of suffering of Christ and partakers also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and for sordid, and for, um, but with eagerness, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to by examples, to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so what Peter is talking about here is he's kind of ending his letter talking to the leaders of the church. And he's saying, elders, you need to lead with humility. And then he's saying, the people in the church that are following the elders, you need to follow in humility. Peter is also an elder, and he, he's saying, remember, I, I witness Jesus' suffering, and um, I can relate with you as an elder. And Peter is also saying, I am going to serve out of humility. And so what he's encouraging the elders, that he says these, these three instructions for the elders as they lead as shepherds. So this is important here, the, sh the shepherding analogy. Um, I think this is a big distinction because leading can be a very secular term, but this shepherding 
uh, mindset is a very serving and caring term that we see a lot throughout scripture. So these three things that he says for a shepherd to do is not to do it out of obligation, but willingly. So if you are in a leadership role, if you are a shepherd, not to do so out of obligation, but willingly. Not greedily, but with eagerness to serve. So not doing it for your own gain, but out of humility to love others. And then not heavy-handed, but examples. So we've all had leaders in our lives that like, you can tell that they love having control, right? And they are quick to give a heavy hand. But that's not what it means to be a shepherd. It means leading by example. And then it says, if you're younger, find these elders and submit to them. Be willing to follow their lead humbly. And so as I was thinking about this this week, um, I was thinking about how important it is for us to realize who are the people that are shepherding us? And then who are we in turn shepherding? Because if we are followers of Jesus, we, we all need people to look up to. We all need people shepherding us. And then we are in turn supposed to go and make disciples, right? So we should therefore be shepherding other people And so I want to talk about this tonight at your tables. Um, Who is shepherding you? Do you have people, elders in your life that you're looking up to, to shepherd you in the faith? People that you can uh, go to, and it can be one person or a few people that you look up to in the faith that you can go to and say, I trust you as a humble leader to seek wisdom and guidance. And I know that you're leading out of humility. Um, And then in turn, are you this type of leader? Is there a relationship in your life that you um, can shepherd someone or a few people and share what the Lord is doing in your life and the wisdom that he's given you? And we're going to talk about at the end what it looks like to stand firm. And I think that this is a huge part of how we go out into the world and how we encourage each other is having people in our lives that we can look up to to shepherd us. And all of y'all are doing that in some way by being here tonight. Like by default, I'm up here shepherding you. And when you come on Sunday mornings, Austin and Dave are shepherding you. But I also think it's important for you to have um, intimate relationships, to get to know people that you can look up to. And so we're going to talk about it do you have someone shepherding you? And if not, maybe think about, hey, how could you pursue that type of relationship? And then how do you want to be a shepherd? So y'all talk about it. All right, anyone want to share anything that you think would be helpful for the group on maybe how you found someone to shepherd you? or who, what, what type of opportunity you found to shepherd other people? How many of you in this room are serving in VISTA Kids or VISTA Students or Young Life? It's a lot of you, that's awesome. So that, that's encouraging, like I wanna affirm you guys that y'all are all shepherding people in that way and in, that's a 
really important way to shepherd people. Um, our friends that came and talked about the opportunity this summer would be a really cool, intentional way to shepherd people. Anyone want to share anything? Nothing? I'm okay with awkward silence for a little bit. Well, I also encourage you that um, if you have someone who's shepherding you, that is awesome, and I am so thankful for that. And if you don't, please come talk to me, and I would love to help connect you with someone who could be that in your life, because <laughs> you're good. <laughs> um, don't worry about it if something broke. Anyways, uh, it, it's so important, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but we sure? No one wants to share anything? Okay. We'll keep going. So, starting in verse 7, we're going to finish out the chapter. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Remember, in the context of hey, this life is going to be hard here on this earth, so we get to cast all our anxiety on him, on God. Be alert and of sober mind. We talked about this last week. He's repeating it, so it's important. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So I think this is also an important reminder that our enemy is not the people who might cause us to suffer here. Ultimately, our enemy is the enemy. Resist him, stand, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So we're not alone in this, this experience. And the, God, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered at a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it or stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does son, my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace, of all, peace to all of you who are in Christ. So twice he says here, he encourages the people he's writing to, to stand firm. And so in light of everything we've talked about this semester, we've gotten tips from Peter in how to live as a stranger, but things are going to continue to be hard, right? And so if we do not actively think of ways, make an action plan to stand firm, um, it's not, it's not going to go well for us. And so I want us to spend the rest of our time tonight thinking about in light of our conversations this semester, how are we going to stand firm in the fact that we are followers of Jesus and that is our number one identity and we're not going to be shaken by all the things around us 
in this world because the world is constantly trying to hurl things at us that are gonna make us lose our footing, right? Um, I mean, I think of analogy of an athlete, like if you aren't training for your sport, if you aren't lifting in the ways that are gonna benefit you in your sport, or if you're not eating the right food that's gonna help your body, you're gonna be weak and you're not setting yourself up for success and you're probably gonna get hurt. And in the same way with our faith, if we are not um, finding ways to strengthen it and to equip us and to be in community with people who are gonna encourage us and uplift us, and we're nourishing our faith and our soul and our mind, then we are also gonna lose our footing when the things of this world are thrown our way. A specific example just from my life, I remember one summer uh, coming back to college, the Lord had done a lot in my heart that summer and just convicted me of a lot of things that I needed to let go of when I came back to school and not be a part of anymore. Um, and specifically a relationship that I needed to fully let go of. And I was so in tune with the Lord that summer, and there was so much healing in my life. And I felt like he gave me this word as I entered back into the school year to be firm, to stand firm. And then I came back to the semester feeling all these really good things and feeling so connected to the Lord and feeling like this is what he was calling me to do, but I did not have an action plan in place for how I was gonna do that. And I didn't tell people in my life, um, and I, I didn't seek someone to shepherd me in that time, and so I came back, and you know what happened? I fell right back into those, those things that I wanted freedom from, and the, the Lord I know had asked me to stand firm in. And so I just wanna encourage you guys to, to put in that action plan. And whatever it is in your life that you need to stand firm in the grace of God. Um, so with our, with our time left, um, I want you to encourage each other. Think about ways that we can stand firm in the grace of God. I'm also going to challenge every table at, our, at the end. I want everyone, ev not everyone, but every table to have something to say about how we're going to stand firm as we go out this semester. All right, y'all ready? I sense some like competition going on. <laughs> okay, so how can we encourage each other to stand firm? Sam's table is going to start us out. Is it on? I think it's on. There, there we go. Come on, Sam. You're a senior. No, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so we kind of discussed a few things. Um, I think we started off by talking about how important community is and just uh, having that foundation in your, the people around you and making sure, like Cindy said, like you communicate those struggles that you have with the people around you. Because um, if you keep it inside, uh, it's very easy to just forget about it and go into your old ways. Yeah, or like convince yourself that, oh, it's not that bad, like I, I can go back to doing that. And yeah, you need people to remind you that 
you made this decision for a reason. Um, I also want to say that real quick. I, I won't talk this much with everyone, hopefully. But um, we, in our leadership meeting on Sunday, we were talking about community and how um, trees in a forest, uh, they don't just have their individual root systems. They intermingle their roots and it makes them that much stronger and I just think that's such a cool picture that if we can see ourselves not as individual people but intermingle roots with community you're going to be so much stronger when storms come to not blow over or whatever. Annika did you want to add something? Yeah so I'm Annika. Um, going off of the community I think it's so important to encourage the people in your community to be rooted in scripture and I think scripture is so powerful and it is so important and to be filling ourselves up with um, truth from the word because in this chaotic world, it is so easy uh, and can be confusing to be able to discern truth from lies. Mm -hmm. and, and if we're not rooted in the word, the lies are going to be going to start sounding like truth to us. Yeah. So we need to be reminding each other and um, our, our fellow believers who Jesus says we are um, and be rooted in that truth um, so that we can stand firm and not start to believe those lies. And also, like I talked about how if we want to live a life like Jesus and stand firm like Jesus, we have to know Jesus, which means um, being in the word um, and being in an intimate relationship with him so we can know him and in turn and live a life like him. So. For sure. Way to go. Yeah. Okay, over there, in the back, yes. Haley. Um, I'm Haley. This is my table. Um, we talked mostly about, like, serving and volunteering and just getting outside of the auditorium because you're going to reach so many more people, and it just opens up opportunities to shepherd people, and they can be, like, your age, younger than you, older than you. It doesn't even matter. But just connecting with more people outside of, like, who you sit by on Sunday mornings. For sure. Yeah. And then I, there's just this mindset shift when you are leading other people, not that you should be following Jesus for that reason, but there's even more accountability and you want to pursue your faith for your own so then you can show other people as well. Yeah. Hello. Hey. Um, we spoke about um, your accountability partners need to be people um, that are like-minded. Um, because they will keep you on your path and push you towards your goals instead of, um, like, if you were to talk to someone about your goals and they were just like, oh, it doesn't matter, then, you know, you want people that are going to um, push you to strive to do your best. Yes, for sure. You don't want people in your life. You don't want to pick an accountability partner that's just a yes person that's just going to say, yeah, go for it. You want people who are going to challenge you and point you back to truth, like Annika said. That's awesome. Who's next? David. Hey, how's it going? So um, we kind of talked about the community and making sure that your individual individuals in your community are all uh, rooted in the word and rooted in scripture. Um, and I think it's important to kind of going off of the, the tree and the roots um, to be aware of when God's trying to prune that community or um, cut out branches that aren't bearing fruit the way they should be um, and allowing that to happen. Not getting so overly defensive of, no, but this is my best friend or whatever. Um, yeah, so being aware that 
God can and will sometimes uh, chop off some branches or parts of branches or little leaves to make sure that your community is um, producing the most fruit. Yeah. The people around you are going to influence you whether you want them to or not. So get good people around you for sure. Hello? Hello? Everybody starts doing the mics. I promise they work. Oh, no, I turned it off. I turned it off and turned it back on. Um, so we talked about a lot at our table, but I think one of the things that we did talk about most was like compromise, um, how you shouldn't compromise on your beliefs like in any way, because like once you start compromising, then it leads to more compromise. Yeah. And that's how your faith it's falls apart. It's the twisting, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's how you just fall apart, basically. Um, but like just holding true to what you believe and holding true to your own convictions is basically what makes your faith at the end of the day. Um, and just, I guess, being able to like know what you believe in mm-hmm. will like even make it more strong. So. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. And maybe I want to challenge y'all to go home and think about where are the ways that I've compromised, that I've just said, oh, they're doing it, so it's okay if I do it. Um, think about those things and recenter yourself on the word. Hey. <laughs> hey, Faith. Um, something that we talked about at our table, we talked about a lot of things, but I'm just going to kind of mesh it together. Um, but we just really talked about how standing firm, we have to be intentional, um, whether that's communicating to our people um, over a break or texting people in our lives um, and just being open with them or waking up two hours before class um, and just being really intentional about fighting to um, stand firm because it's not just going to happen if we're just passively doing it. Um, Am I forgetting anything else? Okay, yeah. Being intentional and and fighting for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Okay, Um, so we talked about a few things. One of the first things we talked about was worshiping freely. So we kind of just talked about, like, when you're worshiping, like, for yourself and not just because maybe you see someone next to you, like, raising their hand, you're really, like, in touch with, like, your emotions and maybe, like, what God is saying to you in that moment or maybe what those lyrics mean to you. So we uh, talked about, like, yeah, standing firm and, like, just um, embracing worship time. And Mm -hmm. then we also talked about finding a shepherd and being a shepherd because it's really important to find, like, a mentor, whoever that is in your life. If it's, like, your parents, Sydney, like, who it whoever that might be, like, um, like always talking to them and just checking, like, hey, like, what am I struggling with? What do you think I'm doing good with? And then when you have that shepherd, it's like when you're being poured into and then you can also pour out to other people, so shepherding other people. And then the last thing we talked about was, like, just sticking to, like, what you know is right because I feel like most people know, like, okay, this is, this is a good thing. I'm doing the right thing today. Or, like, when you're in a situation, you're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, learning how to be bold and um, step away from that. Yeah, for sure. I'll say with mentors, too, that a really important thing about them, since you brought it up, um, I also remember times in college, like, my best friend and I, she was an incredible follower of Jesus. And when we were both on fire for the Lord, we were on fire for the Lord. But the enemy also liked to get us distracted at the same time. And when we were distracted at the same time, then we weren't going to be good accountability for each other. And so then at that moment, like... I needed a mentor in my life to be able, someone who's 
not caught up in all the college things to be able to bring me out of that. So, Kaylin. Hey. Um, something that we talked about was having a comfort verse or passage mm-hmm. of scripture. Um, we each share stories of something that we turn to when, like, we're in a dark period of time or a season and we just need some encouragement. Like, personally, mine is Romans fifteen thirteen. Like, I know I can turn there and, like, be encouraged by the Lord. So just finding a place you can constantly turn to and be reminded. Yeah, for sure. Love that. Uh, I'm Michael, and at our table we talked about accountability partners, but it was more in like a depth as in we were talking about actually using our accountability partners as in how to how to help us more personally. Mm-hmm. Say just talking is not enough. Sometimes we need a little bit more uh, more consequent uh, just to like keep you level. Yeah, yeah, you. If you're an accountability partner, you better expect your accountability partner to speak truth, even when it's hard, for sure. Um, at our table, we talked about also accountability. Um, like, constantly like running to people that have the same goal in mind, not just anybody that you consider a friend. Um, because especially like going back home, like during the break, you're going to be getting back into your regular routines, which mm-hmm. is really easy to fall back into old habits. Um, we also talked about always running to the word whenever you're struggling and whenever you're on fire for God because yeah. it's easy to forget about him in some of those seasons. For sure. Yeah, the word should be a constant source of life no matter what season we're in. A few tables haven't gone yet, right? Hot potato? Yeah. I was going to say, pour into and be poured into. Yeah. It's good. You said be poured into and pour into people. Yeah. For me, this isn't going <laughs> to See, I, see, that's why you should. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, I just always seek to pour into others and be poured into. For me, pouring into others looks like... Um, do leading small group here for sixth graders. That's just always, um, it's just relieving and just such a cool experience to see them build up in their faith and into manhood. But um, always seeking to be poured into by others as well. Um, just finding a group of believers that will just always spur you on and um, push you in your shortcomings as well. So, mm-hmm. You want to give a plug for your small group? Oh, yeah. Um, well, it's coming to an end here, but. Um, Thursdays at 6. Um, Robert, if you want to, guys, if you want to go to a small group, it's all guys. Um, just let me know at the end. Yeah, it's all guys small group, which is, I think mixed small groups are awesome, but I think there's also something really beautiful about being all with your same gender. Everybody keeps turning Hello. it off. Okay. <laughs> So what we talked about is just if you don't find ways to strengthen your faith, you're not going to be strong in it. So just making sure that, like, you train it, kind of like what you said. Like, we have to practice just like we do studying in school and practice for sports. We mm-hmm. have to practice our faith, like, every morning, every night, and never stop doing it. Um, and then I kind of just saw when someone else was talking that we have to fill our minds so full with scripture that nothing else can creep in. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of mostly what we talked about. Yeah. 
yeah, if we're like constantly feeding our minds and our souls with good things, it's going to be a lot harder for the enemy to work its way in and, and twist our thoughts. It's good. Any other? Have y'all gone? No? It's okay. We've done a lot. Anything new? Um, it was kind of what everyone else said. We said mainly like not letting sin overcome you, you overcome it. And by doing that, like being in community, having accountability partners, stuff like that. Because like someone else said, not letting sin, like don't be alone, you know? Yeah. Like it's good to talk to about someone else. Yeah. I think something important with that too is like name your sin. Don't be afraid to say this is sin and I want to be freed from it. And tell people, like no matter how bad you think it is, tell somebody and ask them to help you walk in experiencing freedom so well i hope you guys feel encouraged i'm really proud of you and this has been an awesome semester and i really i'm just excited to see how the lord continues to work through you guys and on your campuses and i want to hear that vista college ministry are full of people that are bringing strangers on your campus and in this world and that you're creating habits now that you're gonna take out in the rest of your life when you are moving off um, to different cities or different states that you are, are creating habits now and how to stand firm in your faith and being willing to be different because you're a follower of Jesus. So let's, let's close in prayer together. God, I'm thankful for each person that you brought in this room tonight and each person that has been a part of this semester and getting to learn from your word. God, I'm thankful um, for who you are and who you've called us to be. I'm thankful that we get to be your sons and daughters, and I pray that we all would just accept the fact that that is our number one identity and that we can live into that, and there's freedom when we believe and trust that being sons and daughters is the most important thing that we can be and that um, all the, the things of this world that look good, the crowns that we're trying um, to earn, nothing compares to eternity with you. And just God, I pray that you would put a craving on our hearts to find ways to be firm in all the things that we talked about tonight. I pray that Every single person in this room would not, um, not be lazy in their faith and in their community, but seek intentionally finding people that they can surround themselves with that are going to encourage them and push them to fall more in love with you and that they would desire to be in your word and to learn a truth and just surround their minds with it, Lord, because there is so much darkness that this world is, is trying to throw at us, so many lies that the world is trying to convince us, Lord. So I pray that your truth would just be so real to each of us. God, I pray for each one of these students as they go home for the semester break, that you would be with them, that it would be restful and encouraging and restoring and just good, and they would experience your goodness and your love. And it's in your name. Amen.